I'm going to get in this argument with you and not forgive you. Or I'll call you back later. You know, later is one of those terms. And sometimes there's never a later. And that was one of those things that I initially said that day. Like, if he calls me during this workout, I'm going to call him back later. Taking for granted, not thinking that it would be the most traumatic day of my life. Your page definitely got my attention for many reasons because you're vo- I like seeing people that are vocal about it. And also, you know, you, you blend in that humor along with that, you know, that realness and that deep insight and that emotion. And I feel like that's what I'm trying to encounter here. And I just love, I just love what you're doing. So even before we get into oh, thank it, thank you. of course, and before we get into, you know, who maybe who are remembering, and I, I think you're going to answer that with this question, but what, what inspired you to start the grief is no joke page on Instagram? Uh, What inspired me is that in 2019, uh, my boyfriend of three years suddenly passed away. And even though I've had other deaths prior to this, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, nothing really hit me like his death did. So I kind of was struggling in the beginning. Uh, Things got really dark, um, ended up going to counseling and then, you know, still struggling a year later, naturally. And then I actually was planning on starting a podcast, but then I realized nobody's going to know who I am. So let me try to do something on Instagram to get connected with the grief community. And that's kind of like how I got started to not only help myself, but to like, you know, really help and support others so that we don't feel as alone. Yeah, I mean, you're doing it. And first of all, you definitely should start a podcast 100%. I, get, I know we just met, but you definitely clearly have the personality for it, the story, and and it's fun. I feel, I feel like you'd have a shit ton of fun doing it once you really get once you really get rolling with it. Uh-huh. So I'm sorry, how long did you say your boyfriend passed? How long ago has it been? Uh, it was in August. Actually, the three-year anniversary was just this past Tuesday, so August 23rd, 2019. Okay, yeah, so not long ago. And, and w- what went down, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, he basically, he passed in a sleep and I guess of a heart attack. I just say, I guess, because I just had spoken to him a couple hours before and I'm just like, is it, is it like, you know, like I said, it was just sudden. So that's what the, that's what was on the autopsy report. His family told me heart attack. So he was 43. Uh, she's yeah. I, it's, 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 uh, I have this conversation all the time in here. It's, is there the sudden, the sudden deaths like that? I mean, I, I, death smacks in its own way in so many ways, no matter how someone goes. But when something like that, where there was, there was clearly, was there any foresight on it? Like, obviously, when you're asleep, do you have any health issues or any kind of anything that any signs that something was going bad? He was fairly healthy. You know, black people have the traditional high blood pressure, you know, type of stuff. He had sleep apnea, you know, but it wasn't something that was alarming. So on Sunday, he um, was saying he wasn't feeling well. I think I remember him referencing that he felt like that was going to be his last moment on earth, which was kind of eerie when you see how everything played out. But he had gotten up to go to the bathroom, and I think his chest or something was bothering him. So he was a vet, so he went to the VA hospital on Sunday, um, and he also was discharged honorably for lower back pain. So from the time that I've known him, he had he mentioned his back every now and then, but it wasn't like a chronic thing. So I just figured it was just attributed to you know, whatever happened in the army and that was it. So he went to the vet on Sunday, the um, vet hospital, and they didn't really tell him much. And then on Monday, he still wasn't feeling well. I bought him a heating pad thinking it's not major. He went back to to the vet hospital again. He was there for a little while. They gave him some type of medication. He seemed to be doing better a couple of days later because he was doing a lot of driving. And 
Friday morning, I talked to him. He called me to say that I'm not feeling well and I I threw up. And the years that I've known him, I might have heard him mentioning being nauseous or throwing up like once. So I was just like, okay. And he was on his way up to where I was, which is an hour, hour away. And I said, okay, I'll call you a little bit and check on you. Called him two hours later, didn't answer. 20 minutes later, his aunt calls me and tells me that they thought they lost him. And then I drove down an hour and he was still there, you know, in his grandparents' home. Jesus. And, and that when, when he said that line, this is going to be my last day on earth, is that just like a joke or something? Or do you think he really had a weird feeling? No, I think he meant it because whatever happened when he had gotten up to go to the bathroom, whatever he was feeling internally, he he meant that. But it's like, it's one of those things like, okay, you're not feeling good. Yeah. But just to think of how things played out, it's like, oh, wait, wow. So that's what, you know, ended up ended up happening, unfortunately. Do you remember much from the, I know it's only been three years, but I feel like when something traumatic like that happens, I wonder how fuzzy the memory gets. Do you? It's pretty do, good. It's pretty good? Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. Still I, traumatic. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think the fact that it's traumatic is why it's pretty good. For me, for whatever reason, I like the opposite effect. I feel like I remember like the beginning and forget so much other shit. Um, okay. Maybe because I was I was younger, so I don't I don't know. Could have been. Yeah. I'm I'm weird. But uh, what do you, what do you remember from whether that day or those first couple of days? Like what what was going through your mind? Um, I wasn't really cons. He he was a big dude, football player, probably like two eighty size dude. You know, he was a big, broad shoulders. He, he, you know, men, men, you guys like to eat, but he <laughs> had no appetite that, that, uh, week, which was very odd. But again, these are things that are anomalies, but it wasn't anything. I'm not a doctor. I don't know, you know? So I'm just thinking, okay, he's just not feeling well for the time. Yeah. Certainly not thinking that this would be, um, you know, his last few days on earth. And I remember he was trying to get healthier before I met him. He was about 400 pounds or so. I wouldn't have been with him then anyway. Not that big. But luckily, <laughs> he uh, <laughs> he lost he lost weight. So, yeah, like you said, he had a solid bill by the time I met him. So um, but he was trying to get himself, you know, back into some more shape. He wanted to trim up a little bit more. So he started working out, getting into the gym, joined this program near his home. And I was like, oh, he can't be the only one working out and looking good. I'm like, I need to start working out too. <laughs> so I was like, he can't be the only cute person in this relationship. <laughs> so I started I working know. out, but I, <laughs> right. <laughs> I started working out, but I did YouTube. He was going to the physical gym. I was doing YouTube. I'm not a gym person. So I'm doing YouTube. And I literally remember that day, Dave, I remember saying to myself, because I was doing HIIT training and those people that don't know said high what high intensity interval training. And it's brutal. So I had done it years before and I'm like, if he calls me during his hit training, I'm not answering the phone. I will call him, you know, when I'm done. It just happened to be, I always say it was God that um, there's a built-in water break in the YouTube video. And when I took the water break, that's when he called me. And that's when he told me that he was going to take a nap and lay down because he had just thrown up, wasn't feeling well. And that was the absolute last time that I spoke to him. Wow. It's it's like a weird intervention right there. Yeah. I don't know how you explain those things. I mean, it's interesting. When, when those little moments happen, I feel like it's hard not to give meaning to that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not the most most spiritual religious person, but I, and I, I keep a very open mind and I'm like open to all that. I believe in that stuff at the end of the day. But when like something small like that happens, you can easily chalk it up to coincidence and who knows, maybe it is with the help. But like, I don't know. I feel like you can give meaning to that and it and the stuff like that that lasts for a long time, you know? Yeah. I if 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 I had not picked up the phone... I still, three years later, and who knows for however long, I'm sure I would have been riddled with guilt about not picking up the phone. Because I think a lot of times we, in a sense, we know that like tomorrow's not promised, right? 
Theoretically, we know that. We may even truly believe it, but I think that we operate as humans on the premise of, yeah, 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 we know it's not promised, but I'm going to get in this argument with you and not forgive you. Or I'll call you back later. You know, later is one of those terms, and sometimes there's never a later. And that was one of those things that I initially said that day. Like, if he calls me during this workout, I'm going to call him back later. Taking for granted, not thinking that that could, you know, that, that it would be the most traumatic day of my life. Yeah, we do that all the time. And it's that later, later, later. And that's why it's like a blend of when we have these kind of, like this kind of conversation, why I think what you're doing is, and why you're doing it is so important is it sounds like morbid and kind of messed up. Like, oh, why the hell, why do you really want to constantly think about death and grief and this and that? So besides like your personal healing, I think it, it's important to think about it, not like a morbid way, but when you have those conversations, oh, this might not be my last moment. And it sounds cliche, but we always constantly mm-hmm. push that shit off. You're exhibit A. Like you, I literally had that experience where most people are like, oh, it's never going to happen to me. But people like, it happens all the time. So yeah. you're, you're blessed to have had that little intervention right there because I, I could imagine th- it would be guilt, 100%. Like it, it wouldn't be warranted because it's just like we're going through the motions. And I feel like it would be right. guilt. It wouldn't be guilt that like you deserve, but it's just guilt as humans we would naturally have. I should have done this. I should have done that. So it'll drive, yes. it'll drive you off the wall. So I'm happy you've had that. In regards to like after it happened, you know, where did you go in regards to like your mental and, and everything? Because I feel like we can go in so many directions when you lose someone that close. Yeah. So I think the first couple days after, I don't know if it was before the funeral, after the funeral, but I felt this darkness inside. Like I was, my mind was going to a dark place and I'm not, don't get me wrong. Like I'm a comedian. I'm not a bubbly person. That's not my personality, but I was, I've never had any mental issues. And when I was starting to feel this darkness inside, it scared the crap out of me. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what this is. And my mother actually had, uh, after the funeral, she stayed with me for three weeks. So she was here during that time, but it was getting close to her getting ready to go back home. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to scare my mother. I don't want to tell her some of the thoughts that I'm having, but I just want to tell her that I'm just having dark thoughts. So I kind of kept it very vague and very basic. So I decided at that moment, you know what, I better find a counselor because I wanted to make sure something was set up before she left. Because even though my boyfriend and I didn't live together, we had only done that maybe the first six months of our relationship. So we pretty much saw each other periodically through the week, but most of our time spent was on the weekend. So I'm like, oh shit, if my mom leaves and I'm here by myself, what is that going to be like for me? So I ended up uh, uh, going to counseling and um, that kind of helped me talk about what was going on. And it wasn't a breakthrough. Don't get me wrong. The counselor was great, but it wasn't some some breakthrough. You know yeah. what I mean? But it's something that I think talking about it kind of helped me. And those feelings, thankfully, went away fairly quickly. And so you say if it wasn't a breakthrough and it helps, what, uh, was there anything that you could pinpoint that did afterwards or something of the sort? I don't think so. I really think it was just me talking about it, I think is what helped. Because even though, you know, I'm cool with my mom, I wasn't even while she was here, I literally was in my room with the door closed. I would come out to eat, you know, she would make food or get some fruit or something. I would come out to eat. That's it. And go back in my room and close my door. So I wasn't having this conversation with her opening up freely about what I'm experiencing, because honestly, I'm still trying to navigate through this. And I had no idea. I just know that I'm thinking some things that I've never thought of before, and I need to figure this shit out. So I think just talking about it with the therapist is all I needed. I know that some for some people, it's a lot more serious. It can manifest into depress- depression for a lot of people. Thankfully, it didn't get that far. And I think just being able to vocalize kind of what I'm feeling um, and being able to have somebody listen to me was enough for me to come out of that dark place. 
Yeah, I've never, uh, you know, it's crazy. I've never actually done therapy and um, it's probably something I should do. What is the, is the normal process, at least for you? I don't know if they're all the same. Is it is it more like you said, you speaking as opposed to them offering advice? Like, is it constantly just like you vocalizing your feelings and them constantly asking you questions or? Yeah, it was kind of like a question answer period. Yeah, that's pretty much, you know, uh, what it was. Or probing, trying to lead, you know, lead into just trying to figure out, you know, what I'm going through. And honestly, I'm sure you know in your own personal experience, even though you haven't gone to therapy, and that actually was my first time. It was an okay experience. Um, like I said, it wasn't, there was something else I was going to say. I totally forgot. I get off track all the time. Yeah, please. Because uh, <laughs> I, I have so many thoughts going on in my I, mind. Girl, I haven't seen the track in like 10 years, so I don't fucking, I, I feel you. <laughs> I'm you all get, over the get. place. There was something, it was something important I felt like I was going to say, but um, it was, it was, it was, a you know, something, oh, just profound. I yeah. felt it was, but I don't, it wasn't that profound because I had totally forgotten about it. It was just kind of like her asking questions, yeah. just trying to figure out where I'm going. Oh, that's what I was going to say that. In that, in this particular uh, situation of grief, it, advice is kind of touch and go. You know, yeah, like yeah. she wasn't a grief therapist because I was trying to look for someone that had a specialty in grief. Um, I wasn't able to find anybody, but I don't. If she gave me advice, I don't even know how I would feel. You know, probably like the everyday people that find out about our situation and they say those platitudes and different things that they think are being helpful, and it's completely the opposite. So it was just kind of like her, just kind of leading me and just getting me to talk about some things. But definitely no advice, and I'm glad that it that it, it wasn't that way. Yeah, even as someone that's experienced loss, I mean, every loss is different. But even as someone that experienced loss, I never know what. I try not to give it. I try not to give advice, even though I'm a very most of my advice is like shit talking with my friends. But when it comes to like a serious <laughs> moment, yeah, and I, I try not to give advice unless someone's really like seeking the advice. But it, it's mm-hmm. interesting. People often during those moments don't know what to say, so they just kind of like blabber mouth and they mean well so yeah at the end they of the day, do they do mean well so i mean they asked you during all this at what point were you a comedian before this happened yes i actually started comedy in 2011 so when i met my boyfriend uh, in 2016 i had been doing comedy for five years at that point and comedy was important for both of us because as soon as we got together he was like my support system i was up until this time i'm pretty much going to gigs and stuff in new york and different places by myself which is fine but once I had a partner and then I had somebody who looked like a bodyguard, so if anybody did decide to mess <laughs> with me, I didn't have to worry about it. It felt good, you know, to have that support. So he really came to like 90% of my shows. So that was one of those things that after he died, I'm like, before he passed away, I wanted, I was thinking about quitting comedy. Oh, really? And then when he died, I'm like, I don't need this shit. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's not even paying me enough. I have my own job. You know, I have my own livelihood where I'm actually getting a real check. I'm like, I don't need this. I don't want any parts of comedy. So I was ready to quit and just walk away from all of it. What do you think that came from? Was it just the general mood and general how your feelings were? Was it because he was always there and it was a part of him? Or what was it? I think it was twofold. The reason that I was thinking about quitting prior to him dying was because I'm like, hey, I was single for like 10 years consecutively. Don't judge me. I was single for 10 years before I met him. So I'm like, oh, I found my soulmate. This is great. We're going to live happily ever after. The Cinderella, the pumpkin, the singing rats and shit. You know, like, it was great. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm ready to now. You know, I'm like 43. So at the time I met him, I think I was like 40. So I'm like, hey. No, I was 36 or 37. So I'm like, hey, I am ready to start a family. And mothers obviously have a lot of responsibility. And we are pretty much the caretakers of homes. I said it. We're the caretakers. 
So I'm like, shit, if I have a kid, I don't have time to be on stage. What am I going to carry my baby on stage? Like, this isn't going to, this isn't going to work. So I was like, look, if I have a family, I found the man, I'm good. Like, I had a good run, run with comedy. It's something that I just woke up one day, said I'm going to try it. And I did. So I felt fulfilled enough that I'm like, hey, I can move on with my life. And then when he passed, it was partially that he wasn't going to be there with me. But I, it was more like what you said and alluded to, the mood. I didn't give a shit. You don't give a shit about anything. I didn't care. I barely cared about life. I didn't care about work. I didn't care about eating. I couldn't shower. You know, you go through all these mental breakdowns and go through all this emotional roller coaster that grief brings with it. So I'm like, I don't give a... Uh, uh, I don't know if I can curse an F word, but I don't, let it loose. A, I don't give a fuck about comedy. Like, I don't give a fuck about anything at this point. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I'm done. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters anymore. You know, that's kind of the mental space that oftentimes we're in. Yeah, how do you find that? How do you shift that? Because clearly, I feel like you're in a different... I mean, at a different mind state three years later where it's like you perhaps found that rhythm again or at least somewhat i hope yeah when does that shift or how does that shift whether it's fully or not like when do you find that shift of okay maybe maybe not everything doesn't matter and things are starting to matter a little bit more did you have to find your way back into comedy was it something else or was it just time yeah i think it was a combination of all those things i think it was definitely time i think i had to definitely find my way back into comedy um i actually wrote a joke the day of the funeral at the funeral um so <laughs> At the funeral, when I got home, I've always put my jokes in my notes in my phone. So I had written that first joke of something that happened at the actual burial, at the cemetery. And I put it in my phone. And then from that point forward, different things were popping in my head. Because then as I started to reacclimate myself back into work after those three shitty bereavement days that my job was so so gracious to give me. Three whole days? Three whole days. All right, three whole well, days. Lucky me. That's all, that's all you need, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Spent all this, another three crying in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, the, yeah. The, so after my bereavement leave was over, you know, I have to get back to work, get back to life. And I was still a mess, naturally. Then it's the people that see you for the first time or see you after the funeral. And then they say those things that they think are helpful. Like you said, they're trying to be helpful and they're not. And then it started to piss me off, things that they were saying. One of my coworkers, I remember, had, um, like, it was like maybe a month or so later, and she had come to my little cubicle, because I don't have an office. They don't pay me enough, I guess. I guess I'm not special enough to have an office. But they came to my, <laughs> she came to my cubicle, and she was like, hey, how are you? You know, the, the normal pleasantries. And I was like, I'm not good. And she was like, why not? And I'm looking at her like, bitch, my boyfriend just died. Did you forget already? Like, are you, yeah. fucking, like, are you kidding me right now? No. So she's like, why not? And I'm like, well, you know... My boyfriend, she's like, oh, you're not over that by now? Uh, or move on or something, she said. It, David took me everything not to leap across that desk and choke her. I was going to like, say, you know I what? think that's when the earrings come off real quick. <laughs> exactly, Jesus. the earrings as the black people do, put the Vaseline <laughs> yeah. on. Yes, like I was ready to, and I was ready to, and I've never fought a day in my life. I'm not that, I don't fight, okay? Yeah. But I was just like, today is the day. I, I today, As I said, I had time. Like, yeah. I had time because I'm like, did you really just yeah. say that to me like after a month? And the only thing that stopped me is one, I'm an educator. I need my pension. I need my job. Comedy wasn't paying enough. And two, she was older and I didn't want to go to jail for elderly abuse. So I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to leave this alone and I'm just going to be the bigger person and walk away, you yeah. know? So those are the things that, in addition to the joke that I wrote after the funeral, I started writing little things as people were saying these things to me that were just irritating me. So I would start to write little things down. And then thanks to March 2020, COVID hits. So now we're all inside. And now I'm not only grieving, but now I'm inside alone. 
and of course, naturally, I'm thinking like, oh, I would love to have this time to be able to be around him and then continue to grow in our relationship and all this other stuff. And it just it was a really hard time uh, where people were booed up and I was um, at home alone. And it just really sucked. So during that time, I started continuing to write jokes as things were popping in my head. And maybe at the end of 2021, somewhere in 2021, of course, we're still inside, locked in the house with no toilet paper. <laughs> I started to um, start doing virtual open mics just to try some of this material out. And then I was getting some laughter. I'm like, okay. I'm like, this, this is working. And then when outside opened up again, as we say, then I started to hit the stages again and try some of it out on, on, on live audiences. And there's times where people laugh and there's times where it's mixed because yeah. it's such a dark subject and topic that an average person wouldn't think like, how the hell can you make this funny? Or how the hell are you laughing after you just lost somebody that you love? It was a, a, a disconnect. And oftentimes it's a disconnect sometimes with audiences. But I think that what happened was prior to me getting back into comedy fully again, I told myself, I'm like, if you're going to get back on stage or the only way you're going to get back on stage is if you talk about your grief on stage. That was like a deal I made with myself. So after I, you know, continue to start writing and I'm like, okay, so, so then from that point forward, I've kind of made it my mission. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, so it's been a way of healing for you hundred percent. Absolutely. That and the grief is no joke page. Both of those things I think are the things that have kind of pulled me through. Yeah. The grief is no joke page for those of you that haven't seen her yet. And they will after this, it's uh, like I said, from the beginning, it's a, it's a perfect blend of that. So I feel like when you're doing comedy, correct me if I'm wrong, obviously it's whenever you're talking about your grief, it's specifically just to get a joke out of it. It's, it's, it has a punchline and doing all that. But when you have your grief is no joke page, it seems like it's a, it's a perfect blend of both, right? I see those, those emotional posts that, you know, are with no intention of laughing. Correct. It's like way more of just, it's going to hit you in the heart. Yeah. You know, it's funny when I started it, I love when I came up with the name, you know, me being a comedian, I was like, Oh, this is clever as hell. I'm like, yeah. I love this. My intention was to have a blend. Like you say, I, I appreciate you saying I have a blend. I feel like I have not much of a blend as I want it to, because in the beginning, that's what I wanted. I wanted, you know, the serious post, and I also wanted it to have the humor as well. But when I started off, you know, Instagram was very new to me in terms of having my own platform and my own page, and me being that involved in creating my own graphics. It's not like my comedy page where I'm just posting flyers and that type of stuff. That's all I pretty much do on that page. It doesn't take much effort. But this, I'm on Canva. I'm creating graphics. I'm trying to come up with ideas. Very time-consuming has become a second job. And I really had intended it to be a mixture of both. But when I started, and even now, a year later, I'm like, 99% of this is serious. Yeah. I didn't find the humor in terms of the page. On stage, I could do it. It was easier for me to do. But on the page, I couldn't figure out how to do it. So only now, recently, I'm kind of reintroducing myself to people and kind of said like, hey, I'm a comedian because I applied to South by Southwest to present my comedy set for next year. So... When I was getting ready to promote to ask people for votes, I'm like, hey, it's great because on one hand, I have this wonderful community of thousands of followers. But then on the flip side, they know nothing about the comedy side of me. So I've been trying to join the two, but it's like it's almost like a little too late in a sense because, you know, you could have a bunch of followers, but that doesn't mean they're on every day and it doesn't mean they see every single thing that you post. Right. So there's still going to be a disconnect for a lot of people, but I'm trying to infuse more of the humor a little bit more. Um, just because that is my platform and that's who I am. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, like you said, even on stage, it's, it's a little bit of a, a specific taste for people to find that humor with the death. 
but I think it's there. I think I think it's there. I feel like we're getting maybe close. I don't know if it's gotten worse or better after COVID. <laughs> I feel like it's been death has been on people's minds more and more now with since what we just went through and the world in general. But I, I wonder if people's taste buds for joking around death has gotten better or worse because of what's happened. Like I don't know if people are more fearful, therefore they don't want to laugh, or because it's been around so long now they want to laugh more about it. Yeah, it's tough. It's so tough because, you know, grief alone is already a tricky and taboo subject, as we know, which is why I've kind of built this whole platform. Like, yeah, we kind of like what I said in my South by Southwest video application. We focus so much as a society on death that we don't deal with the debilitating impact that grief has. And I think there's such a huge disconnect with that. So it's hard. I, I, don't, I don't know if people are getting better with it because also here's another thing. There's also, it seems to be over the past years, a shift in comedy, right? You look at the Dave Chappelle's of the world and certain people that are touching on certain subjects and we have this cancel culture. There's so, pe- there's so many people that are insensitive and it's like, hey, oh, you can't laugh about that. Oh, you can't talk about that. You know, so it's a tricky, it's a tricky balance. A tightrope that, you know, I, I in particular, I feel like I'm walking on because no, it's not necessarily against the gay community or the transgender community or something where I think people will come for my heads. But will you connect enough with me? Because my goal is in my comedy. I want people to definitely connect that have dealt with grief and kind of know what I'm saying. But I also want to be able to connect and reach out to those who haven't experienced it yet and still be able to laugh at it. And it may be something that they think about and resonate later on once they actually go through it. But I kind of am, I want to cater it to both audiences. The low-hanging fruit are the people that have grieved, the people that have experienced before, and they can resonate with a conversation like this or those jokes like this. Even though not everyone can deal with the jokes because some people that have grieved are just way too serious about it. I mean, that's them, whatever. It's not me. But even then, the people that haven't experienced loss in their life to maybe in a, in a uh, very close, intimate way, I want to tap into those people, just like you said, whether through your the humor or this conversation, because I feel like these conversations sh- could even apply to those people that haven't lost just as much. Right. Because it's fucking, I mean, we're all going, it's, it's going to happen. You're going to face it one way or another. It's the most common thing and the most common thread that we have, yet it is taboo and people don't want to talk about it. And I feel like I learned throughout the years and throughout many times the importance of talking about it. And it sucks. Sometimes you don't want to talk about it. It's fine. You don't have to constantly be venting. But the more you open up over time, however you want to do it, it should you, you you literally get it out. You literally get it out. Whether it's death, it's anger for something else, doesn't matter. Like talking it out and hearing someone like you that's experienced it, hearing other people's stories that like, anecdotally that shit works too. Just the, the power of words. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I I think that helping people digest grief in a humorous way, I think it makes it more palatable. You know what I mean? Like like we saying, grief is tough, but hey, if I cover it in, in humor, there's truth. The truth is always going to be lying underneath, but it's covered in humor. Maybe people can digest it a little better, you know? And then I think also what I've been realizing lately with some of my posts, all these serious posts that I've been putting up, is that what I'm trying to do now is find a balance because I see a lot of people where I'll post something and... They're concerned about me because of sometimes the caption that I put. Oh, call me, uh, talk to me, let me know if you need help. And sometimes I feel bad because what they don't realize is necessarily like that post doesn't necessarily reflect how I mean in that moment. It's just I can resonate with those feelings, you know, and now I'm trying to find a a balance because I want to let people know, hey, there is light at the end of the tunnel. If that's what you seek for yourself the light is there. It may take a hell of a lot of time to find it, 
but it's there. So I also want to serve twofold as, yes, I, I've been where you are. I am still in ways where you are. I'm still grieving. I'm going, going to grieve for the rest of my life. But on the flip side, hey, look at me. It's possible to actually make it through this and to continue to push through and learn to live with the loss or live within the loss. Yeah. And then we're all, all kind of on our own timetable. I feel like it's like looking at someone like whether in, in occupationally through success or that person made it at, at this stage, that person made it at this stage. Like we're kind of, we're kind of all on our own timeline. So some people may get over it, not get over it. You're never going to get over it, but might get through it a little easier. Some people take, might take longer, this and that. So you kind of got to just, you kind of got to do you. But like you said, by seeing someone like you, that's, you know, approaching the light or at the light or wherever you're at, it, so that it's, it's possible. And that's, that's kind of like, so it's corny motivational things, but that's what it is, especially with grief. I don't think this, it's not as outspoken as everything else. So I, I think that's why it's so important, especially with the humor. Like you said, I think, I don't know if part of me, I don't know if it's like a, I don't want to say defense mechanism, but the humor has definitely been a coping mechanism. And I definitely have a dark humor, especially with 9-11. So like people, I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's me. I kind of like making, getting a reaction on people and making people feel awkward, even for a split second. So when people like bring up, when one of my friends like taps someone, brings up 9-11, it's like, oh, Dave's dad. Like I immediately will crack a joke or say something really silly just to make them uncomfortable. Also show the fact like I'm okay with it. I feel like if the person that's gone through it can crack a joke, it kind of diffuses the levity from everyone in, like in the circle. Like if someone says, I'm so sorry, and they never heard it before, I'm like, I was like, what, were you driving the plane? And I'm like, they'll, 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 they'll take it the wrong way at first. Like, what the, what the fuck did you say? I'm like, I'm just playing around. Right. Like, it, it's, it's all good. Like, like you didn't did do he it. just say yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. about his dad? I know. It's like, it, it, people crack jokes about fathers. It's like, oh yeah, well, mine's dead. So it's, there's that. I don't know. It, it, it took a lot of time to get there, I guess. Also, I don't, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I've just been a, in a dark sense of my whole life. But I think the humor, yeah. the humor aspect for me, just bringing levity to the situation I don't know. It just it just brings it down a notch because death is serious. It's just so right because it break it breaks that tension. Like you said, if someone brings up their dad or his father's day or whatever it is, it's like, oh, Dave, don't forget. You know, uh, never forget. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, <laughs> like exactly. <laughs> they, you you want to break the tension in the room, and the same thing, even similar on stage. Because one of the things I realized, um, even when I first told the jokes, I was fine on stage. So I'm like, I can't go up there looking sad as shit. And about to damn near cry as I'm telling my jokes. Because they're already looking at me like, oh my gosh, like, is she really talking about this? Oh, because one time I remember I said some joke and they're and they're quiet because that happens often. They're sure. quiet. And I'm like, okay, relax. You didn't kill him. Like, yeah. calm down. Like, exactly. it's okay. And, and I'm like, if you think this is bad, it's going to get worse. It's, it's going to get, it's going downhill. So I just need you to relax. Loosen the fuck up because it's, it's, I need to take you on this ride. And you're, yeah. I'm going on the ride whether you're in the car with me or not. I'm still, I'm still driving the car. Yeah. So it's up to you to decide whether you want to buckle up and enjoy the ride or if you want to get out the car. It's up to you. But I'm 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 going. You know, this is what it is. Yeah, I mean that's comedy and, and that's what you do in in like a nutshell. It's like people like you don't have to come to this room, you don't have to come to this show. Like you, this is this is I feel like that's the whole you're coming for a ride and people like take it the wrong way. I feel like when you when I go see I love comedy, when I go see shows, I see shows all the time. I would hopefully love to catch you back east sometime soon. Hopefully, maybe I'm back east, I'll check in if you have any shows going. But but um yeah, I don't know. If, especially with stand-up comedy, people are so this and touchy and that. But like, why? What are you doing in this? What are you doing in the stands? What are you doing as the audience? Like, I feel like you, you have to expect the unexpected. You have to expect there's there's literally no limits of what you can say. So if you're gonna come there with an ounce of maybe being offended, it's, that's your that's your that's your decision. You shut up. It's not the comics. It's not the comics problem, in my opinion. But it's interesting. Sometimes I've touched some people where they've come up to me after and like, oh, you know, I lost somebody. I really appreciate it. But what what's happening is. And I don't do shows all the time, but 
and it's slowed down a lot for me lately. Um, but what's been happening is that because of the uncomfortable, the topic, sometimes the audience rea- reaction or not knowing what to expect. Because it's kind of hard when you're a comedian and then you have someone that goes up before you and they're talking about, remember back in the day when mama, when your mother used to such and such and such and such. And then here I come up after talking about my dead boyfriend. Like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's challenging um, already with the topic alone. And then because everyone else, for the most part, is lighthearted. So one of the things my cousin had helped me with and realized, he said, you know what, you may have to find your audience, which is kind of where I'm like, he put put in my head about like maybe trying, you know, to do this at mental health conferences or conferences or just, you know, going into different arenas, maybe with this where they still probably don't know what to expect, but they may be a little bit more prepared than just a general audience. But it's hard because I love the reaction and the energy from a general audience. But then there's a part of me where it's like, OK, loosen up. It's death. It happens to everybody, you know. So it's it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of tough just to find my right lane to be able to perform it. Because at this point, it's like my passion project where me doing this comedy and presenting it through in the form of grief has really become my passion project to be in front of as many audiences as possible and just trying to play my my small little role in trying to normalize it. Yeah, I mean, I, I love it. I I, I, uh, I gravitate towards the, the dark comedy and I think it's a really good healing mechanism if you can break that shell but some people are just and there's nothing wrong with that if anyone doesn't want to laugh like i'm not like that's you that's fine however you want to handle it but i don't know i think i think humor is a gift and i think laughing is a big part it should be and is a big part of life and a big part of healing so if you could find it's a healthy coping mechanism so it healthy. really is if you can do it when you're ready Yes. When you're ready, but it's healthy. When, you, when you're ready. Me, I might make fun of you because you're not laughing, but it's okay. But at the same time, like you, you gotta, if you gotta be ready, I'm not like forcing, I know, I feel like in certain areas, I know when not to push the limits in certain situations, but I like to feel like I can read the room and not on a, on a human level of like when's the time to bring some levity. I think most people like the humor, but there's certain lines you can't cross, of course. But the laughing is is medicine. Laughing is medicine. That's why we seek these movies and this Absolutely. and that. And we want to laugh because it's a healing mechanism. It feels good. And so uh, I, I'm just like a bit. I'm just a big supporter of what you're doing. And whether and that's actually it's a really good idea of finding your links. If you did, if you were to do comedy, I mean, do both. Like I would, obviously, but if you did find that lane of those people that have gone through it, that'd be kind of a cool little mechanism for people to for people to heal. Like specifically target that. That's a pretty cool idea. Yeah, I th- I think so. I think that um, it's good that you know you and other people are supportive of it. Um, like I said, I just started to do the 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 humor part on my page a little bit more, just to kind of shed some light on what it is uh, the the full me and the full point of what I originally intended for the page. But I just had my first person really like come at me on my page, and I was like, oh, I must have made it. Give me my blue check on Instagram. Uh, I had a troll because this lady was like trying to vote for my South by Southwest thing. And she was saying how something was a scam. And I'm like, hey, just DM me. I can help you. You know, I can help you vote for me, tell you the instructions, give you the directions. And she was like, well, I don't think that grief and death are funny. Now, if we were in the street, my response would have been different to her. But it's my page and I'm professional, you know, um, not trying to lose any followers unnecessarily. So I kind of said to her, well, you know what? I'll be posting some of my jokes, some of my material this week. You can check it out. So maybe you can, you know, get an idea of where I'm coming from. And I said, maybe you'll like it. Maybe you won't. And she saw something that wasn't even my joke because I hadn't posted it yet. And she was like, well, I'm not voting for you because death and grief isn't funny. And I already saw your jokes and what you're doing is disrespectful. 
And after like her first comment, her first trolling comment, I went to my my followers and she was still following me. And I was like, this bitch got to be a baby boomer because I'm looking at her picture and I'm like, you don't know how trolling works. I'm like, you're not supposed to still follow the person while trolling. That's not how this works. Like, you're doing this the wrong way. That's yeah, I wonder. You think she lost someone? Well, you know what? Uh, when I was telling my cousin about it, I, th- I agree with him in saying that. I think she did, and I think initially she joined because of that. So I feel like there's definitely some maybe deep-seated hurt within her. And she very well, like many people, I don't fault you if you don't get the connection between grief and laughter or death and laughter because it, you may not get it until you actually see it, which is why I kind of said to her, like, hey, if you have time, check out some of my videos later this week so you can kind of see what I'm talking about. But I think that it was a mixture of her just being hurt and her being a hater. Then she popped up on another post from someone else that commented about a video I posted, not even one of my jokes, not even anything to do with my set. And she said whatever, added the person and said, well, if you think this is funny, it's not funny, it's not cute, it's disrespectful. And finally, I was like, okay, you know what, ma'am? Um, Sophia... From the Golden Girls, this is what I'm about to do. I'm about to tell you, give you a piece of my mind in a professional way. So I kind of just said to her, like, Sophia, Dorothy, Rose, and Blanche, um, (laughs) what you need to do is if you have all this time to be negative on my page, just take one more second, go to the top of your page, and click unfollow. For real. That's it. And she's not following anymore because I checked the other day. I'm like, thank you. That's all you had to do. That's it. That's all you had to do. You just tune out. The people like, it's like, Listen, there's certain levels of like, okay, maybe this person's going too far. But for the most part, just tune out. You have the option to not look at this stuff. And there's the reason people follow you and people don't. And that's it. But for some reason, people li- like to go after that combative, that, like, that combative nature of just, I don't know if they're bored or they got some deeper shit that you just mentioned where they just want to get it out. And this is the way of doing it, which I think most of the time when we have issues with people, I feel like a lot of time it's something that's not even right in front of us. But I don't know. At the end of the day, you get. I I don't like looking at the comments sometimes when it's like that. Sometimes got to block, got to block it out. But sometimes you do, and it's really hard. So you don't look at your. You don't. Do you respond to the people that are following you? Or yeah, you yeah no, no, or you don't look. I doubt. I, I'm not, I, my point is, I, I I think I was getting ahead of myself. I think if I was, at, I'm not. I don't think my thing's big enough to really be ignoring, like not looking at comments. I just, I just when I see those negative comments, I feel like my heart wants to say something. But at that point, I don't even like, so I'll, I'll literally try to flip the script. I think kind of what you did in regards to just making it as positive as possible. I suppose to talking shit. A couple, a couple of times I've gotten to the point where I've, my sarcasm and my, um, I, it, it takes the best of me and I want to like say something, but I usually do it like in a lighthearted way. I just won't give them attention. Sometimes you like feed into it and it makes it even more and more, I think. Right. Yeah. Even when sometimes people are post on my page and they're like, oh, well, you just need to move on. Or you need to do, and again, like we yeah, said before, crazy. in their heart of hearts, they think that they're being helpful because they're also applying to how they dealt with their grief. And it's not a universal solution, right? So they're like, move on, or they'll say some things, not necessarily negative. She was the only, that baby boomer was the only person that was really sorely like that negative. But everyone else, there's sometimes people that just give that same advice that you get out in the everyday world. And I'm like, oh, why are you saying this? I'm like, this is why I have this page. So what I'll do is I'll look. And if they're not following me, then I'll clap back. But nothing negative. It's kind of just like, well, you know what? I just prefer to move forward. Like, that's the terminology I use. Or I'll just say, well, you know what? That may be how you handle. I don't do it often. But especially if you're not following me, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to say my piece. Because I'm like, that's the the purpose of this page to kind of change how we perceive grief and try to knock down some of these societal standards and, and 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 barriers that we've placed on people. Yeah, you're right. You're right. When you look at it like that, you're right. Especially those, I feel like those are the people that we, 
I'm not, I'm not trying to change anyone, but get to are those people that don't see it the same way. So I like that. You're right. Those are kind of the people that I feel right. like you want. Hopefully, you get you offer some kind of insight where maybe it's enough to maybe change your perspective a little bit. So I do like yes. that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So I'm, I'm curious. How did you find me? Uh, I started sc- scrolling through. You just came up. I don't, I don't remember what I was looking at or what hashtag or whatever it was. I just came across your page. I just stumbled across that Instagram. It wasn't even anything of mutual friends or anything like that. You popped up, so you must be doing something right. Oh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I was like I said, I'm a supporter of what you do. I'll continue to follow your journey, and I just want to thank you for um, for being on here. But before I get, I let you out of here. I, how how are you how you doing? Three years in, how you feeling? Let's say so three years in officially this past Tuesday. So it's interesting that you asked that because at first I was trying to think of an answer, but I just remember what happened. And uh, my boyfriend was a huge Marvel fan. I always loved Marvel movies before, but he's one of those people like a lot of guys like you guys are fans because you know the whole story from a comic book. I'm just a girl. I just like the action and I just like that stuff. You know, (laughs) it wasn't that deep for me. Like, don't ask. I don't know these characters. It wasn't that deep. But once we got together, I was a person who, before, prior to meeting him, I would go to the movies maybe a handful of times a year. Once I met him, we went literally every single weekend. Because <laughs> nice. he was just a movie fanatic. And then his love of Marvel even uh, increased my love of Marvel. So that's just something that we love doing. So one of the things that I usually try to do either on his birthday or his death anniversary, I like to call it anniversary instead of a death anniversary. Um, I had planned to go see Thor. Thor was still out, surprisingly. Uh, but it was still out in the movies near me. And I was going to go to Thor. And I'm sorry, environmentalists, but I was going to do my balloon release. I'm sorry. I care about the environment, but I don't give a shit on that day. Okay, so I'm releasing the balloons. May get caught in the trees. Oh, well, sue me. But uh, that's what I usually do. So I had planned everything, was ready and reared up the next day. To had you know looked at the movie times was good to go. I woke up that morning, Dave, and I felt like shit. <laughs> it was I was just so somber and sad inside. Um, it almost felt similar to the day that I got that call that he was no longer here. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, not that I expected to be at a certain place, but I'm like, I'm ready to go to the movies, get some popcorn, pay thirty dollars. You know, <laughs> I was just like, I had it all planned out and. I literally laid in bed the entire day. Finally, I didn't eat a morsel. I didn't eat any 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 fruit, any nuts, no crumbs of anything, nothing. Didn't even drink water. Finally, around 3 o'clock, I said, okay, let me get up and get dressed. And I went to a restaurant and got some to-go food. And then I came back and I just stayed in for the rest of the day. But I felt awful. I felt awful. So I will say that three years in, I have definitely come an extremely long way. Again, I think thanks to my page, thanks to my faith, and thanks to comedy for sure, but I've come an extremely long way. But at the end of the day, it's still a process. I'm still grieving. And these triggers and these moments can happen three years in, 30 years in, three days in. It doesn't really make a difference. Grief will rear its ugly head whenever it feels like it. So um, I'm, I'm progressing. And as I say, I'm taking it one step and really one moment at a time. Yeah. It's uh, like you said, it just, I, I think, I mean, I think the way you handle this seems to be the right way, what I don't even know what the right way is, but you just you got to go through it, right? I mean, sometimes yeah. it hits, it's going to hit you. It's going to hit you. Even three years in, six years in, ten years in, it's going to hit you. Just hopefully, it gets a little easier and you can kind of recover quicker as time goes on. You know, isn't that weird? Like it comes out of nowhere like that. Like you think you're feeling like you're excited one time, and then all of a sudden you wake up like that. Like what the fuck is that? Like, I don't even know. Yeah, if it, it, it it really surprised me because I was like, oh, I'm good to go. I'm getting ready to do this, and I'm like, I woke up. I was like, uh, no, bitch, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> because. Because I was like, I, I don't have the energy 
or the strength to do anything. Like I said, I didn't even drink a sip of water like until about three o'clock. It was it was just awful. But you know that's what it is, and I'm 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 learning to just go with the flow. Yeah, I said, what 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 can we do? I don't know. Your your awareness seems to be at a really high level, which is important. You know, you, I think you're. It seems like you're aware of how, what you're feeling, this and that, and that you got to progress. You got to get through it, and you're not looking at it like it's the end of the road. So that's the most important thing. No, exactly. So I commend you, Vernita. You're amazing. Um, Thank you. Seriously, you are too. I I'll enjoy get, get this. Get this is fun. Here. No, for real. Yeah, I say it. It was great. I'm gonna thank you so much for the time. Um, and uh, for anyone that is listening, I'm gonna plug you in the bottom, regardless. But I don't know if you want to drop anything, any anything you want about finding you or anything you're doing, you could just like plug yourself real quick if you want, how people can find you. Sure. Uh, my grief page on Instagram is at grief is no joke. And my comedy page, if you would like to follow me, is at funny girl NJ like New Jersey. There we go, baby. Jersey in the house. You got two New Jerseyites right here, Jersey. New Jerseyans, which is amazing. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. Like I said, I'll, I might be back east. I'll, I'll touch base in case one of these days when I'm back east, if you happen to have a show or whatever, I would love to check it out. And um, Okay. Let me know. Thank you again. We'll be in touch. We'll stay in touch. And everyone, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Dead Talks. I appreciate y'all.